podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Blue Hello and welcome to the City Podcast. It's Joe Doherty in the chair for our final podcast of the season. And I've got three guests with me tonight to share in this fantastic ev- event for Manchester City. I've got uh, swing out brother Andy Connell. Oh, that's never going to leave me, is it? That's <laughs> <laughs> no. It's a pleasure I- to be here. How are you doing, Andy? I'm very well. Nice one. I haven't seen you for a while. Uh, no, we've been, we've been in the studio pretending to record. Uh, but obviously listening to City at the same time. Oh yeah, I've got a multi-screen now, I've got two screens. So, uh, Doesn't get better than that. <laughs> and I'm joined by Paul Denby. Evening all, it's great to be here. Not uh, been for a while, but it's always good to join the podcast. Excellent. And finally, Dave Hodgson. Good evening. Brilliant. So, um, we weren't here last week for the podcast because our producers were indisposed. So, we've got two games to discuss. Um, we should start with Swansea away. We won 4-2. Uh, what did we all think? Well, it's the, it's the fifth time this season. I think we've gone 2-0 up and it's been brought back to 2-2. I've got that in my notes, actually. And I think that's the third time, if not the fourth time, we've gone on and won it. So it's brilliant character. The press have a go at us for losing two goal leads, as usual. The press have a go at us for everything. But I, I just think it was, a, it, was, it was a great match to watch as a neutral. I think it was really enjoyable. But 4-2, fine score. Brilliant performance from Yaya. At Correct. last, he's put it in there. I don't know why it's taken him 36 games to get going, but he did. Fantastic. You know what? At the start of the game, I was I saw Yaya in the lineup. and I thought, do we really want him in the team? You know, we've had other people stepping in. They've done better jobs. Do we still want this guy? And then with, <laughs> by the end of the game, I was like, yeah, let's keep him. <laughs> I mean, he's that player, though, isn't he? You can't. It, there are no players like him when he plays well. You just no. think when when he's in his pump, when he's doing that thing that he chooses to do now and again. Yeah. There's nobody like that. No, he's and very. So it's very hard for you to think he's he's not for us. We have to let him go. But or he, you know, if he wants to go. But who? How do you replace that? No, quite On a good day. I mean, they talk about Pogba, but um, I don't see that. He's not the same player to me. No. The the, the question I've got to ask is. Sorry, why is Yaya only do it so infrequently this season? Last season when we won the league, he was fantastic, did it so frequently. This season, you can probably count on less than, well, half a hand, how many games he's had. He probably yeah. played about three, three good games this season. But the weird thing is, both those games you're discussing, Swansea and Southampton, nothing to play for, decent footballing teams, he, he runs the game. Mm. The, but the games he doesn't run, strangely, are both ends of the spectrum, like... He's as bad, you know, you look at the Champions League games, which, honestly, I don't know where you start, but he's as bad against Burnley as he is against Bayern. Yeah. You know, yeah. the relegation teams and the Champions League teams, he doesn't turn up. The, the middle ones where, you know, we don't mind, he runs it. And, you know, we're embarrassed to even think bad things of him. <laughs> the curious phenomenon with Yaya Torre is we're always going on about, oh, how are we going to replace him? Is it going to be Pogba? Is it going to be all the myriad other names that get put forward? But the thing... We've, we all forget about Torre, is that was not the Torre we bought. Sure. We bought a holding midfielder, and he was converted. I remember him playing centre-half. Can you imagine that now? Yeah, for he, Barcelona yeah, exactly. in the Champions League oh, final. Yeah. We turned Yaya into the type of player he is. Mm. And I don't think it's beyond the realms of possibility that we could find another player with those attributes. And turn and him into the same exactly. thing. Exactly. It, it's something that can be created. He's not a one-off, God-given talent. It's, it's something that you can bring out of a player. Well, the way we can go in this season, maybe we should try Yaya back at centre-half. <laughs> 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 I, I, I got a thought. Yaya had a great couple of games, 
Lampard started them and played defensive midfield or coming forward a bit, but it allowed Yaya the much freer role in those last two games. He can't be a defensive midfielder. He just can't fulfil that role. Fernando or Fernandinho gets exposed too much. Give Yaya the free reign and he's a much better player. I agree. I think that um, the team is better off when we've got Fernando and Fernandinho on the pitch together and we've got someone like Yaya, maybe someone like, well, obviously it won't be Lampard now, um, you know, we've had David Silva there, we've had Nasri there. Someone there to do the attacking and the creative play, just as long as those two are at the base of the midfield and controlling it and getting the ball forward. Well, for them. But why hasn't it worked? Because we've had games this season where those two have been there and he's been in effect. It's almost... You can't you can't afford... As good as he is, if you've got Silva there, for me, if you've got Silva there, who you're kind of given a free reign anyway, and that's two players you can't afford to have especially in the games when you're playing against Bayern or something you can't give two players free reign in that kind of a game no and expect there's going to be holes all over the place that's when you get company trying to be uh, De Jong basically. he's trying to no but he's you know yeah. that front foot defending thing he's trying to cut out the danger that he sees and leave things exposed hmm it depends who you play up front. If you've got the one up front, Aguero, then you can afford to have Silva and Yaya both just behind, both coming in from left and right. Then you've got three other players to protect the back. You've got Fernando and Fernandinho and one other. It might be Milner. probably isn't going to be Milner now. But Milner can play that sort of role. And so I think you've got that possibility. It depends who we sign in the summer now, because we just don't know. I think Fernando would have to step up then, if that's the case. Cause he <laughs> I think some games towards the end of the season, he did improve. I think Fernando's problem this season was that he got injured when he was having he was playing well. He had two fantastic games early on. He got injured and he lost his momentum. And, you know, it happens to other players. Like, you know, Adebayor, for example, he had those four games where he was out of this world when we first signed him. And then he got suspended and he never did it again. He does that for everyone. Though, yeah, he, he did, did it, it for Tottenham. And <laughs> Arsenal. And then anybody else he's played for half a dozen games he's finished. That's true. But, you know, he, he might have been playing it well for at least a bit longer. If we yeah, had. it would have been nice, yeah. <laughs> I think more of the problem with Fernando is the problem that I've been screaming and screaming and screaming about on this podcast earlier this season, which was the 4-4-2 fiasco. Mm. Fernando is very simply a very basic but quite effective holding midfield player. He wins the ball, he passes it sideways or to someone close to him, he's not Andrea Pirlo, he, no, he wins the ball and he passes. <laughs> and that, when he does that, he's great. But if you play him in a 4-4-2 where he's required to be a little more dynamic, a little more involved in the build-up of the attacking plays, which are so characteristic of the football we've played under Pellegrini, mm. I don't think he can do that. I don't think he's talent. He's gifted technically in the way you need to be for that. If we're going to play him, we play him as a holding midfielder in a 4-5-1. And mm. I think when we've done that, he's actually proved to be quite effective. Yeah, yeah I'd agree. I think we'd all agree with that. Yeah, I think so, yeah. So, also in this Swansea game, you know, we had some good performances going forward. I mean, for example, you said, Paul, yeah, we did throw away a two-goal lead. It was one of the first times this season that I wasn't at all worried when it happened because I knew we were going to score again. And I, th- I was fairly confident we'd win the game. However, one player who uh, confirmed the victory and made... Some amazing saves, Joe Hart. That, that that save was as good, and, and I know you're much too young to remember it. The Gordon Banks World oh, Cup I, save, nineteen seventy. It's very close on that. It was yeah. such a fantastic save, and the commentary after it said, "Look at how he moves his fingers mm. to push the ball over the bar," and it was absolutely fantastic. When you watch it in slow motion, you saw how his hand moved to push that ball. That was one hell mm. of a save because the header was only from about eight yards out. He didn't have much time to react to it. No, but that was the thing to get your hand on it. Okay, that's a good save. But to get your hand on it and turn it 
Yeah. <laughs> just, uh, just remarkable. Well, I have seen the bank safe, and I think the only difference between them was that the banks, the Pele header was going in the bottom corner. Yeah, he maybe, got down maybe the banks one edges it slightly because he had to move further down. But I think that that was easily one of the best saves I've ever seen. It's probably the best save I've ever seen Hart make. It was the save of the season. Although it didn't win save of the season. Because it was, was too late. Was gonna come to them. <laughs> well, that, that didn't matter at the weekend with Jack Wilshire getting goal of the season. No, strangely. It, which yeah. he shouldn't have won. Yeah. And um, also in that game, we saw James Milner showing how good he can be again this season. And As you said, he's probably on his way out. We probably won't see him again. Can anyone see him staying, maybe? Or I can see him staying. Um, everybody tells me I'm wrong, but I can see him staying. I don't think it's as cut and dried as. Uh, no. There seems to be a great groundswell of opinion that the deal's done, and he wants you know first team football. Blah, 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 and we haven't done enough for him, which is true. But with the squad that we've got, how do you do enough? For, you can't guarantee him no. what he wants. But at the same time, the reason you can't is because you're in the Champions League and you're in all the other competitions, and you have to rotate your squad. But if he wants to first team football in the Europa League. Good luck to him, but I really, honestly, I think we all... I don't think there's any of us who don't want him to stay. No. no. I think he'll end up at Arsenal, personally. I yeah. think they could really use him. He would add a certain... He'd help their homegrown contingent. He'd add a certain steel to their midfield that they often seem to be lacking. As much as they try and convince themselves about Coquelin, I, you know, James Milner, I think, is mm. would be a step up. And I, I think you know he'd get Champions League football and he'd play week in, week out. I think that's where he'll end up. I'd love him to stay. I'd love to be proved wrong. But I think he'll, he'll think be an Arsenal be, player next You think season. he'd be on the team sheet every week? At Arsenal? Yeah. Yes. I don't. No, I, I, I can't see that. I disagree. I think that they... Wenger's very stubborn with the players he uses and he's got a select group of players he likes. And also, if you're going to think about attacking midfield, maybe, you think he's not... He's, however much we like him he's no way as good as Sanchez and I don't think he'd get in that team and and you know despite the fact he's maybe a better wide midfielder than say Walcott Wenger, Wenger's not that sort of manager he wouldn't put him in there ahead of him he'd, mm. um, but I think he'd ma- I think I personally think any club he's been linked with he'd be he'd be making a mistake to go there but the other, the other thing Wenger likes and he's always liked is a player on a free he won't have to spend any money on Milner Milner, I can't imagine Milner's wage demands being exorbitant. I, th- I think I think Wenger would look at that one and see this is a no-brainer. No, I think you've got a point there. I'm not sure about his wage uh, demands. He's been rumoured to get 150, 160 a week from City. Arsenal wage structure, I'm not sure is that generous. Mm. He so gets 150 a week No, that's City? what he's been offered. That's the rumour that he's been offered. Yeah. Now, if it's not money, he might go to Arsenal for less than that. I don't know. If he wants game time, I'm not so certain he'd always get in the Arsenal team. I, I don't believe he would. I think he would in the Liverpool team, oh, but, certainly. but he'd be you'd making a mistake going there because he's too good for them. You'd get in the Liverpool team. I, I know I would. I've seen you. you, you you're promising. <laughs> no one's said that to me before. And with the English <laughs> premium, he's definitely worth £5 million. Exactly. <laughs> well, that's something, I suppose. Well, mind you, if Phil Jones can play football, I probably can. Mm. Um, so, after the Swansea away win, which I thought was a good way to end our, um, end our, our games on the road this season, we played a strong Southampton side at home. And we won 2-0. We've done the double on Southampton without conceding a goal. Uh, do you think this is one of our more impressive results of the season, in a way? It was, it was, a, good, it was a good game, actually. I mm. thought it was, a bit, it was sloppy. It wasn't our best performance. But it was a good end-to-end game. Lots of chances. Two very good teams who play the game in the right way. Beyond that, nothing to play for. I don't think you can judge anything on that. It was nice to see us finish yeah. the season well. And it was nice to see Yaya kind of show some interest. Beyond that, it was kind of routine... 
So, yes, you're right, they're a good team. It's good to beat them. But mm. and Just an end-of-season game where they had yeah. a bit to play for with possible Europa League. We had nothing to play for but played a decent game. It was, it was an interesting game, but nothing yeah. much to play. I wonder play. how disappointed they are to have played well and lost, yeah, obviously, in, in Europa terms. <laughs> now they're dependent on Arsenal Villa as to whether they get in the Europa League, aren't yeah. they? Yeah, well, the game will go down as Lampard's pomp and circumstance and very little else. Yeah. True. I had that written down. Uh, Frank Lampard, of course, played Wait, his. Were you copying his notes? <laughs> I, I was looking over his shoulder. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, it's lucky I've got the awards for later folded up. Um, it's okay, I'll put my glasses on. <laughs> God, Dave's just put a pair of uh, dark glasses on oh, this, yeah. which you won't be able to see. It is Pirlo now. Yeah, he's, he's got the, pier- the room. <laughs> we have got Andrea Pirlo in here. We could stick him in our midfield for Fernando. I've never been. I've never been given a better compliment in my life. I, I thank you all so much. There you go. The biggest. This is a historical night on the City podcast. Anyway, Frank Lampard had his 609th and final Premier League appearance. Gentlemen, a legend. Great season. I never saw that coming. Honestly, I never saw that we would get the season out of him that we did. No, I no. he's a legend. He's not our legend. He's a Chelsea legend. Let's be honest no. about it. Mm. But I mean, he's a, he's a Premier League legend. I mean, he's up there with the players who've had fantastic careers in the Premier League. Lots of goals. Lots of appearances. And a true professional. I mean, that's the thing you'd say. He's a model pro, isn't he? He's that guy. Just, uh, but like you say, he's a remote legend. So I don't, you know, other people's legends. I'm not. Uh, I can admire them from afar, but no more than that. Really. <laughs> the cynic in me says he's been a very effective signing on a free transfer, oh, yeah. and that's what he'll be for us for the Premier League. He's a legend, no doubt. But I think we've also got to think: did we did we expect anything from Lampard? This season, not really. He's, he's actually been a real contributor. He's got goals at crucial times, yeah, that's the thing. especially when the teams weren't firing. Mm. I, I think he's, he's been a very useful signing for us. I'll remember him, his time at City, as a success. But again, I think if we really want to be competing in Europe, we're gonna need, we need, a, need to step up our quality in centre midfield True. beyond the likes of an ageing Lampard and... You know, maybe beyond you know what 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 we've seen yeah. from performances there this is, season. There is a thing though that I think he may have shown us a different goal to score. Like you say, those goals that he got late in the game on on you know many occasions got the points. Turning up late, you know that kind of just drifting into the box late, which we don't score that goal generally. It's not a goal that we we have at our disposal, and he's kind of shown us another way that maybe we can learn from. That some of those people who should be turning up from midfield like that but um, it's been a good you, honestly I didn't see it coming I, it was a it was a brilliant buy in the end we had to make a club in New York to, to get him but it was worth it <laughs> it, was wor- it was well worth it certainly yeah I mean the goal he scored against Southampton was the perfect one you saw him if you watch it again he runs into the box the defender runs with him he suddenly stops the defender carries on running yeah. and gets that yard or two of space. Milner pulls it back and he hits it in the net. And yeah. that was Lampard all over. He scored so many goals in his career like that. And you're right, that, that's the sort of performance we need from other midfielders who can learn how to lose a player in the box and just have it on the tee. As the great Phil Neville said, the hardest thing to do on a football pitch is to stand still. Mm. I think the, the thing that struck me this weekend, we've heard people you know, answer the question, which has sort of ran throughout, you know, certainly throughout my childhood, the old Gerard Lampard Scholes question. And actually thinking about it, you know, we talk so much about these young players that are either so, so quick or so strong or something. These were never the most physically remarkable specimens. They were just very clever at their reading of play mm. and technically proficient. Mm. And those are the sort of players we're always saying England don't produce. And we produced three of them, 
and yet we still blame that for the reason why we haven't done well. Yeah. I always, I always find that bizarre. I blame Paul Scholes for giving up when he was about 24 or whatever it was. <laughs> a little bit older, but I know what you mean. Yeah. Well, there was always the Lampard-Gerrard question, but there was no question this weekend in who had the better last game for their club. <coughs> uh, 6-1 was fantastic for Gerrard. A shout-out to all my Stoke City family friends who are <laughs> delighted, undoubtedly, with yeah. the 6-1. Just a little side point on that. I found it a little ironic that the United fans were laughing at Liverpool about that. Mm. Well, as somebody on Twitter said, well, at least it didn't happen at home. <laughs> That's true. Mind you, though, United were down to ten men that day as well. Um, so, as well as that, at the end of the season, we've had Aguero winning the Golden Boot. We've had Joe Hart winning the Golden Gloves. Really? Did Aguero win the Golden Boot? I didn't see that on Match of the Day. No, nor did I. That, that's what I was going to come to. Oh, Hart winning the Golden Glove was never announced, was it? It's, no. It's all been low profile. Well, Paul, you were saying before the podcast about the media coverage about City. Yeah, I, I just saw on BBC website Phil McNulty, who often writes blogs on, on the BBC, and he, he did an end-of-season review, and he, he scored City performance 5, players 5, manager 5, out of 10, not out of 5. And he scored United like 7s and 6s, and Liverpool's 6s and 5s, and Chelsea obviously 8s and all over. I just wonder, why are City only getting 5s? We've got the potential, we finished 2nd in the league, OK, we didn't win it. But we're not going to win it every year, and it pisses me off somewhat that United get such fantastic reviews. They finish fourth, which is the absolute minimum that the United board would have expected from Van Gaal. Arsenal just about did what they always do, third stroke fourth. Liverpool fell miserably, but they got sort of sixes. So even they had better performance reviews than, than we did. We just never get the media coverage, despite the fact we scored the most goals, Aguero the most goals, and Joe Hart golden gloves. Isn't second the minimum we'd have tolerated from Pellegrini? Yeah, but we got um, we got second. Van Hal got fourth. I think in terms of targets for this season, in terms of the, the fact that the team has moved backwards from where we were this time last season, I think it's a fair assessment. In honesty, I, I disagree. I think you can look at it in different. You can look at it in terms of schools. If you look at when they say you know the most improved school of the year, it's usually the worst school because then it gives you room for you know there's so much room for improvement hmm. that you can score it. Highly. If the school at the top is already performing well, it's for, there's very there's hardly anywhere to go. So it's almost an, a compliment if they're giving us five. If we finish second, golden boot, golden gloves, golden whatever, last team in Europe into Champions League. If we finish with five out of ten for that, what they're really saying is we should be achieving so much more. They're scared of what we might be achieving. They're well, giving they're giving United seven out of ten for really the paucity of resources that they have at their disposal, even though the money they've spent. They've done as well as they can do. It's almost... I, I take it as praise they give us 5 out of 10 for a season that, like this. I agree with Paul, actually, because... Um, so do I. I'm just trying to, you know, stir it up. Yeah, well, <laughs> well, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to even it out a bit. Um, people, the press seem to have acted like our season finished when we lost 4-2 to United, as if that was it. I mean, it was a real low point for us. But people seem to have forgot we've had a really good run since then, putting some really good performances. We also had a very good run around Christmas time when we didn't have a striker, mm. and we've, you know, we've gone from fourth to second, which is still a disappointing season. We're not going to do a whole Arsenal and act like it's the equivalent of a trophy or something, but it's still it's still a big improvement in not as big space of time. And I think people need to. I feel like they're focusing on the negatives of this season when there yeah. there have been positives. We it's not been a it's not it's certainly not been as bad as Mancini's last season, for example. Really? Oh no, of course not. No. We um, 
you know, we didn't lose a cup final, which is something. Uh, we didn't get to, we a, didn't cup get into a cup final, exactly. We lost to Middlesbrough at home, so in a cup. So, uh, I'd, I'd say they're on, I'd say they're on a par. I would say the, t- the, the Mancini last season and this season have been on a par. I would disagree with that because I think Chelsea this season have been outstanding and totally deserve the title. I think United in 2013 when they won the title, were the best of a bad bunch. I didn't think they were anything special. I just thought us... I mean, if, if us, Arsenal, Liverpool or Chelsea had been in any way competent, we'd have walked the league. United or or if Aguero had been fit all season. True. Which uh, was uh, another big thing this season, I thought. It was Van Persie and Ferguson that won them the league that year. No one else. Yeah. And, and the other thing that also irritates me is is the City can't progress in the Champions League. Well, let's let's be fair. The Champions League... You get drawn against Barcelona, who are by far the best team in Europe at the moment. I'll be very surprised. On a one-off game, of course, they could lose to Juve next week on Saturday. But they are the best team in Europe. We lost them on aggregate 3-1. We didn't get slaughtered like Bayern Munich mm. were 3-0 down after the first leg. Totally we did. We did OK against them. Yeah, we got outplayed in both games, but we didn't get murdered in both games. And all right, Joe Hart saved it. But when you get drawn against Barcelona, you've, you've got not a great chance of getting through, even... The good teams will struggle against. But them. can you imagine the coverage on that Barca, in, in the Bayern Munich game? If that was Pellegrini, if that was a City game, we'd have got can you imagine absolutely the slated, wouldn't oh, we? The naivety, the absurd naivety of yeah. City, and what they were saying. Oh, it's interesting. He's, he's, oh, it's not worked out, but he's tried something interesting. We don't get that. No. We get absurdly naive. Yeah, you know, and, and, if, and if Bayern had got the results we have got, which they probably should have done, the team like that, they should be losing to Barca by a couple of goals, perhaps. Mm. They would have been. Well, they gave it their best gave shot. Their best, exactly. they, they turned up, they gave it in the game. We were really, you know, we weren't great in either leg, but Joe Hart played one of the best games of his life. And all I'm hearing from people, and Joe Hart's had a fantastic season as well. Mm. All I've heard from people this season is all, you know, they've gone about the year De Gea's and your Courtois, who are both fantastic. But people come up to me and say, oh, Joe Hart, he still drops the odd ricket. When does he drop a ricket? Mm. He's dropped one slight one this season away at Everton, and he got slaughtered for that. He hasn't done anything wrong for about nearly two years now. So look, look I'm, I'm not staking my case around the Champions League. I'm not the Champions League for me. We we achieved expectation. It's our performance domestically that's been my concern. And but back on your point on the Champions League, the thing I found fascinating, and you see it all through UEFA, is their attitude to the so-called upstart teams, namely City and PSG, financial fair play, or the Manchester United Preservation Act. <laughs> You know, you, you see things like that there. You see the attitude to teams who try to break what is this established order. There's a very definite complacency in Europe. And I do like that we upset the apple cart in this mm-hmm. way. But I, I still think our domestic performance is the thing that has given me the cause for concern and thinks that you know, Phil McNulty is probably right to give such a, sca- a scathing indictment on our season. I think you only have to look at... Pellegrini said it. You only have to look at the way we performed against the team's it just take the teams that got relegated. It's very straightforward. You know, you drop nine points against the, t- the three teams that got relegated. You can't do that. Chelsea don't do that. You, you have to beat them. You have to beat them without even noticing. That's you start from that point, and that's the strange thing. We don't know how to play those teams. It's uh, we can play the Swansea's and the whoever else the footballing teams, but we. It's almost like they know now. They've got that thing. Who are the three players this season? If you were going to player of the, is that coming up now? That is coming up. Well, there are so, three, aren't there? Hmm. And everyone who plays against us knows who they are. And if you're Burnley, mark the two. Mark, we well, can't mark the goalkeeper, but mark the two who are going to hurt you. Mm-hmm. Triple mark them if you can. Nobody else is going to do it. Give it Navas; he's not going to damage you. We, everybody knows that. More on Navas. I later. mean, if, well, if, we, if we were on a season where we were simply discussing 
the fact that we'd had a couple of isolated defeats that had unhinged us, sure. But we had a run, and it's, it was between, sort of, was it February and March, yeah. where we lost to Burnley and we lost to Liverpool. Liverpool. We, we had a run yeah. of, of defeats against teams we should have beaten teams we should have beaten and we ended up basically this mo- this momentum got in place this negativity sort of took over the squad and you were sort of waiting for Pellegrini to arrest this mm. you were waiting for the squad to sort of galvanise and say look we are the reigning champions we should be able to deal with these teams we've got everything in our ranks and it just didn't happen and that for me is, is has been the, co- the real thing that got my back up I this think galvanise is a very good word that hasn't happened in any no. game you haven't seen a no. game where somebody just said right come on we're not having this mm. they've wandered around and when you've looked for guidance you know, Pellegrini is much more qualified than any of us to know what he's doing. But I look at, to the sideline, I don't see I don't see any kind of proactive changes that he makes. You know, and you see you see managers you think, right, we're going to switch this around, we're going to get some fire in there. I don't see any of that happening, and maybe it's too subtle to see. But it doesn't he, he doesn't seem to do something that turns the game around when we need it to be turned around. And uh, maybe it's I'm naive, but uh, you want to? Or see maybe it? he is. <laughs> well, we wonder. You know, I'd like to think is they're more qualified than we are. I, I'd agree. Right. So um, it's the end of the season. So I've we've got some awards here to do. But before we <laughs> before we go on with the uh, with the city podcast's answer to the Baftas, um, I'd just like to congratulate Robert Nilsson and Phil Burton for being the top two people in our uh, fantasy football Man City show league that I set up in August, and no one's heard anything of it since. I'd like mm. to congratulate I've them. I blame the media for that. And I'd also <laughs> like to point out that Stephen Chen and Connor Sammons, who came the bottom two, uh, that was very poor showing from both of you, and I expect better next season. Right, so uh, we'll make a start of these awards. So the first one is the obvious one. Who is your player of the season? It's a tough one. It's, it's so tough, it's Aguero. I think Aguero. it's Aguero, personally. David Silva. David Silva. I, I and it's a, sh- it's a shame that of three of us, one of us couldn't have said Joe Hart. I'll say Joe Hart, then. And then, we, and then we've got the trinity of who should be in there. I was going to make the case for uh, Fernandinho, actually, because he he started the season poorly. He had a bit of a hangover from the World Cup, which was obviously awful for him. And at times this season, due to Yaya's somewhat... Lethargy. I think that Fernandinho has been doing two men's work all season. I think he's been Lauren fantastic. On <laughs> but it's a democratic vote, and it's got to be Aguero. You've all said Aguero. No, we said. I, I think we said. Uh, you I, said I, Aguero first. Mine. No, we, well, let's well, leave it that we all. You have the casting vote then. Okay, um, I'm going to give it to Jesus Navas. <laughs> no, no, um, we'll give it Sergio Aguero. He's had a good season. Well done, Joe Hart. Honourable second, actually. Um, the most improved player of the year, a player who you think has started quite poorly and got better as it went on. I'll tell you who had a great end of season other than the IR was Kolarov. That was yep. the, the last word out of my f- mouth. four or five games when he got a regular place, he really performed. And this it surprised is the thing, me. though, isn't it? I, it's Kolarov for me as well. But the thing, you know, the thing this season when you look at the thing that's let us down has been the defence. Now you might say, all right, it's because we don't cover the defence well enough. But we've had how many times have we had? The same defence, I know this is, we're doing player of the year, the same defence consecutively in two games. No, I, I it's agree hardly, it happened three or four times. And, and when Wait. did it happen? It happened the last six games. Yeah. We yeah. had the same back four because of injury. One all six. And Kolarov, I agree with you, somewhere in there started to suddenly look quite commanding in that yep. position. You know. I totally agree. Kolarov's got my vote. And Dave? I'm going to say Martin Demichelis. And I know he had a good end to last season. 
But this season, we have needed him more than anyone else when mm. company had his little shed collapse and when Mangala sort of needed leadership, etc. Demichelis has come so good for this team. I've said before, he's learnt that he's not quick anymore. Yeah. He's learnt how to deal with his sort of physical decline. He's learnt how to build that into his game. And I think he has been essential for us this season. I think we'd be in a very difficult spot had Demichelis not yeah. stepped up to the mark and provided that leadership and surety in defence I mean, for me defense. most improved. Yeah. Yeah. And, and one, of, one of the great uh, bits of evidence of that is when you see the offsides. I've never seen a team play the offside as well as we do, apart from when Mangala judges it a bit wrong. <laughs> but generally speaking, it's, yeah. it's a great thing to watch. And Demichelis, so he's he the one that marshals it. Yeah. 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 I'd, I'd agree. I think Demichelis is very improved this season. But I think the award has to go to a collar off this year because yeah. he's stepped in. Clichy had a few for the last games. six games, though. Really, it's yeah. not like he was terrible before. But I think it's, he's settled. He's, he's in the you know he's playing in the position. And to be honest, going forward, that ball that he puts in, nobody oh, puts it's in a better and ball. You know, I know. Yes, you'd like him to be a fullback as well. We all would. But <laughs> and the question was most improved player from last season. And last season he didn't have a very good season, whereas Demichelis, as you said, had a good second half of the season. Therefore, he carried his second half of the season into this season, I think. Oh, he had yeah, a good season, whereas the question was, who's had an improved season? I think Kolarov was shit last season. Yeah. And this season, particularly in the last half of it, and, and the last half dozen or so games, has improved. That, I think that, we very why. forensically answered your question. Mate. All right, well, <laughs> so we'll give that one to Alex Kolarov. Um, this one's will throw the debate a bit wide open. Goal of the season. Oh, got to think about that for a moment. I'll I'll set you off. Uh, I liked Aguero's goal in the derby win at home, the passing move. I liked. I thought that uh, Torre scored an absolute screamer against Sunderland on New Year's Day. And I like the Jacko one. I can't remember which game it was. Newcastle, where it was silver yeah, over, over the, top. the top. Yeah, that's, a, like, that, that's definitely a shout. That's that's the one that I'd want to see again. Yeah, honestly. I'll go also David Silver's against QPR mm. great play beforehand mm. and then he just suddenly dummied the keeper sort of fainted mm. to score the, the keeper fell and he chipped it over him it was a great play beforehand as well but and that collar of free kick that was just very slightly deflected though so maybe it wasn't deflected it was just uh, a bad <laughs> hole in the wall is this, well. the, is this the Aston Villa one where he put it yeah because he scored two didn't he towards the end of the season it was the yeah. first one I can't remember who Villa. it was Villa. Villa was that Villa yeah I think that probably gets it for me just because he had to put it in the mm. area of size for postage one place stamp to put and it, bang yeah. on yeah. another contenders actually early days um, Edin Dzeko against Hull City away it was one of the best goals he's scored in a City shirt for me can't remember that yeah one. the one from the edge of the area where yeah. he killed it in yeah I remember mm, that one yeah. Yes. And and actually, talking of Hull, James Milner's free kick against Hull was particularly good as well. Yeah, in the last minute when we took it to one each. Yeah, that was a yeah. shit result. But <laughs> yeah, so a special uh, goal. Which one are we going to go with then? It's quite hard. Got score some. Oh, good what was the one Fernand- Fernandinho scored? Burnley. That was another delightful finish. Yeah, but there's not a standout goal. There's not a standout there's goal. Not goal no. That's the one. There's not a standout goal like Yaya Torres against yeah. Villa last season where no. he ran half way. Th- well, run half the pitch. That was the standout goal. I don't think there is one this season. I think I think we'll just leave that open for debate because we've had we've had a lot of good ones. This one's no debate whatsoever. I'm sure. Savor the season. Well, you don't even have to. Next question. Yeah. Next yeah. question. Yeah. Swan- Shall we answer it for the podcast listeners? Yeah, we've all debated it. Swansea heart save from the header, just to make sure that everybody's agreed for importance as well because we mm. were three two up at the time and yeah, then we absolutely. shortly went up the other end and mm. sealed the game. Um, the game of the season. Best result of the season. Mm. Well, it's Roma away. 
That's mm, a yes. shout, actually. I hadn't got that one written down. Yeah, I wasn't going there, but I'd, I'd be hard pushed to think of a better one. Yeah. I mean, we, we needed to go. We needed at least a, a one-all draw or better, another result going away, and we went there and we played a particular the second half and mm. just won two 0 Nasri's goal was superb and Zabaleta as well. Yeah. So I'd go. I'd go that one. Or I, I'd honourable even... mention to the three 0 at Southampton. But yeah, I, I, I was I'm, thinking. I'm thinking the Roma game. Um, yeah. Another contender, actually, given how they've ended the season, was to win four one away at Stoke. Is actually, in yeah. hindsight, a brilliant result. Yeah. I thought we played extremely well away at Tottenham as well in a one 0 yeah. win. Yeah. But yeah, I think we've got to give it Roma, haven't we? I didn't. I hadn't got that one on my. Uh... Radar, but I'd, I'd be hard pushed to argue with it. Or even Bayern Munich at home when we came from 2 1 down in Aguero, although it was two mistakes by them, but Aguero yeah. still. No, I think the Roma was, one was. Ro- Roma, was I'd, get, I'd was give Roma. Probably the most enjoyable goal of the season than that, but it probably. It, it wasn't a particularly good performance no, against no. 10 men. Hmm. Like when we were 1 0 up 10 men, I thought, oh, we're going to win this 2 or 3 0, but no, they still outclassed us that game. Just. Right, so we've we've done the positivity. <laughs> oh, um, dear. Okay, now for now for the award, the worst player of the season, aka I'll drive him to the airport myself. Award. Oh, it's difficult. I'll uh, kick you off with Jesus Navas. I like him. He works hard, but I he's been so ineffectual. The this phrase season. "flatters to deceive" is seems yeah. appropriate because he does. You know, when he came, I thought, "Wow, look at the pace on that lad! If he can cross it," and then he did it. Early on, he got a couple of crosses in, you know, when we first had him. Ever since then, it, you can see the other team think, well, go on then. You're not, you know, not going to any, hit anyone with the pass. So, <laughs> or you, you're gonna, you know the thing that he does? He does what I would do if I was in that situation where I'm running in and I'm thinking, I can make a decision now and I'm going to take half a second to decide. And in that half a second, they get back and they do something. He does, he's not instinctive in the way that, you know, you see the real players... They've already made the decision. When they get to the ball, it's going there or it's coming there. He's still making the decision, and it's no fault of, the, of his. I think it's harsh to pick on anyone to say worst player, but he just isn't up to the job, I don't think. P- player, I'd, player, I'd move on to the next club. I'm going to say my personal bugbear, average defender, but he's lived in Britain for quite a while, so he qualifies for an FA rule, Dedrick Boyata. That's a shout, actually. Um, he's just not good enough. Simple no, as. he's not good enough. Yeah, he's, he's not, he, but he's barely done anything this season, so I think yeah, we'll give but that. But he's not good enough. Simple as that. He shouldn't be on our books. He's not. He's an, a good championship player, I would say. Yeah. QPR or something like that for next season. He is, but it's Navas, because he came here with a big expectation and has failed to live up. Right, I've got two more. Uh, we've got the most shameful result of the season. Old Trafford. Old Burnley, 1-0 away. Burnley is a shout. All the two all at home. Any of the Burnley games. It depends <laughs> yes. how you're measuring yeah. it. It depends how you're measuring it, because I agree with you about Burnley. But at the same time, with all of the DNA involved in it, <laughs> I, you know, Old Trafford, seriously, could there be a worse no, one and, than and, that? And to go there and show such desire for seven minutes and yeah. then just give up, exactly. that's pathetic. And the team should know better than that. No, but I, if, we hadn't was, even, if we hadn't shown the desire, you'd think, ah, go on, we're not playing for it. But I was to, watching that game at home on the, on the telly, and when they scored the fourth goal, honest truth, I walked out of the house. I mm. just couldn't watch anymore, just in case it got to 6 to I know it would have been sick, could have yeah, got 6 <laughs> but I just couldn't yeah, yeah. physically watch yeah. the game. I walked out. It was so upsetting to see it. It was all right for me, because I watched it at my friend's house, who's a Liverpool fan, so he, was sort of, he wasn't gloating too much. But I think, that, I think I'd take your point, though, the more damning ones with the, with the mm. likes of the Burnley game mm. you know the ones where you just got out outplayed by not outplayed technically but outplayed by people who just wanted a result more mm. than you did yeah. and it's, uh, that's shameful to see mm. and the final award for this season is the best podcaster on this show award you can't say yourself 
Some good contenders could be... Um, we had Ian Stone on for 15 minutes at the start. Uh, Ian Tussey made his brief appearance. Um, Clive Myrie had a good go. And Graham Reed's son, Finlay. Who do you pick? I only was the, I was on when Clive was on. He was very good. Spoke very well. Clive? I mean, it's, it's his first season, and... I don't know what was expected of him. He seems to have settled in, though. Yeah, he's doing well. Yeah. I'd I, give it to Ian for coming from our feeder club, Arsenal. I'll, I'll, I'll give it to Ian because I know him. Yeah, uh, will you buy me a pint if I say you? Yeah, why not? There we go. <laughs> Were you hoping for more votes from the panel? Well, anyone on Twitter, you can tweet us at City Podcast, and you can tell us your views on these um, awards, and uh, you can vote for me as best podcaster of the I'm season. I'm sure there'll be a deluge. <laughs> I'm sure there will. <laughs> right, so... Um, that wraps about everything up. Um, before I go, I'd just like to say a huge thank you to everyone who's listened to us this season. God knows how you can put up with all this drivel. I'd like to thank my three guests, Paul Denby. Evening. Dave Hodgson. Good evening. And Andy Connell. Yeah, and a big thank you to Nigel Rothband for pulling this all together this year and being a fantastic chair. This is Joe Doherty saying thanks for listening and we'll speak to you next season. This has been a Playback Media production. For all our other podcasts, go to playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network.